Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris. Today, we're going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 15 through 25. Let's read those together. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, Behold now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. It may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall not send. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Send. They sent, therefore, fifty men. And for three days they sought him, but did not find him. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho, and he said to them, Did I not say to you, Do not go? Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees. But the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. He said, Bring me a new bowl, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. He went up from there to Bethel. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. And he turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore forty-two of the boys. From there he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. So this is definitely one of the more, uh, I don't know how you'd characterize it. It's either, you know, the most epic part <laughs> of scripture or it's the most disgusting and terrifying or the most appalling or uh, whatever i think this uh, especially those last two verses are just some of the wildest verses in all of scripture uh something you just you don't find a lot you find it a lot i guess when you get to the the history section of the old testament and uh, you know some people say this contradicts a lot with messages we see in the new testament Uh, And we'll look at that a little bit today. Uh, But let's work through our our verses here and and think about them and see what we can pull out as far as application for us today. Verses 15 through 22, we'll look at this first because this this seems to all be part of, you know, one story being told. You have Elisha, well, Elijah, let's, let's back up a little bit. Beginning of the chapter, Elijah is taken up in the whirlwind and Elijah is left on his own. He takes up um, Elijah's cloak that has fallen from Elijah, which you know gives us reason to believe that this isn't a bodily ascension of Elijah. It's actually just him not having to experience death and, and being taken into the afterlife uh, in a spiritual state, uh, not a resurrected form. So his mantle falls, his robe falls, Elijah picks it up, and uh, Elisha picks it up, and Elisha is able to use this same cloak to part the waters. Uh, of the Jordan, so uh, he does so and walks across. 
and now into verse 15, the prophets see that he's done this, and um, immediately they recognize his leadership, right? The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They recognize Elisha's authority, but they clearly do not accept his authority. In the very next verse, they're like, hey, sure, you're here, <laughs> and sure, you've got the spirit, but we really would just like to try to find Elijah. <laughs> you know, that's got to be so upsetting as the new guy that uh, uh, everybody just wants the old one. Um, you know, it's maybe similar to a preacher walking into a, a new work, a new church, and everyone just keeps talking about the old preacher. That could probably be a little disheartening at times. And that's what's happening here. Sons of the prophets want to look for uh, Elijah. And Elisha's, you know, if anything, trying to save him the trouble. He's saying, hey, don't send anybody. You're not going to find anyone. Uh, but they urge him until he was ashamed, which is interesting. You know, it, it kind of goes to this, man, they're just not going to accept me. They're just not going to see that I am God's chosen now. So he's ashamed to the point where he says, okay, go and go and look for him. And they send their people. After three days, they don't find him. And they come back, and he says, well, see, didn't I tell you not to go? Um, and immediately they move on to, all right, hey, this is what we need from you then. <laughs> so it's a really interesting group of people. You know, these are God's people, sons of the prophets. These are supposedly God-fearing, God-working kind of people. And uh, so, you know, maybe there's two ways looking at it. There's probably more than two ways, but two ways that kind of come to my mind is, Either they're trying to test out this new relationship with Elisha. Okay, well, supposedly he's got the spirit of, of the Lord resting on him. Let's let's see if it's uh, you know going to stack up to our tests. Or maybe they've just that quickly moved on from Elijah to Elisha. Okay, well, I guess this is it. This is what we've got. They immediately come to him with requests of things that they need. Um, and clearly this was a a need that was beyond you know personal gain. This is... Clarifying, clarifying the, clarifying the. What am I trying to say here? Clearing up the water uh, here, and and so they say, hey, this has been apparently causing death, causing even miscarriages, and so they come to Elisha to fix it, and he performs this miracle. After which the water is healed, and he says, you know, from now on, death, nor miscarriage will come from it. And there's kind of a a line in here from the editor saying. And the water's been healed to this day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. Okay, and this brings us into our, our second portion. And these two verses, we'll, we'll, we'll camp out out here and, and try and figure out what's going on. So as he's going back to Bethel from Jericho, uh, some small boys, it says, comes out come out of the city. Now, in Bethel, there would have been this golden calf shrine that Jeroboam the first had set up. And so clearly this is a an idolatrous town, um, has this shrine dedicated to this false god. So what's interesting about this um, phrase or title of small boys, uh, boys here, the word used for boys, does not necessarily mean young. It could actually mean more like young men. It's actually used um, in other parts of scripture, even in the book of Kings, as um, a title for just younger men. In Daniel, it's used of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are boys, but we know them to actually be, you know, men. The adjective being used here, small, does not necessarily denote size, though that is uh, the majority use of the word. 
it can all just also just mean uh, inferior, uh, you know, as, as more in reference to status than anything else. So some people have put forward the idea that these boys or these young men or these insignificant men are the men who are the Levites of the um, idolatrous town in Bethel, most likely serving at uh, the golden calf shrine of Jeroboam I. And that's all a really interesting theory. Can we agree with that or not? You know, that's kind of up for debate. If we are looking at, and we don't have a lot of time to get into this, this is, you know, worth a class on its own, but what Elijah and Elisha seem to be doing here is reconquering the land of Canaan. They come in as good prophets uh, after a lot of evil kings that have pretty much reversed the conquering of Canaan that Joshua initially led. And I say this in the sense that when they come in, they... um, are not able to hold the land. They are not able to keep the people worshiping one God. They actually set up, you know, kings, set up shrines and altars to false gods. They undo a lot of what Joshua did. And so we could look at possibly Elijah and Elisha as reconquering the land. They are part of a new conquest. And so as part of this uh, new conquest, um, They are meant to destroy the shrines, destroy the idolatrous people, just like Joshua was commanded to do in Deuteronomy chapter 20. So if this is the case, if Elijah is um, killing actual small boys, children here, it wouldn't necessarily be seen as an evil thing. It would actually be seen as part of Elijah and Elisha's reconquering of the land, just like in Deuteronomy chapter 20 when Joshua is told to kill not just the men, but the women and the, uh, and the children of these idolatrous nations. So you can try to maybe appease the reading by um, appealing to Jeroboam the first shrine that would be in Bethel at this time. Or you can look at it from a uh, reconquering uh, perspective and say uh, Elisha has every right to actually take the lives of these children. And that's, again, really offensive to us, but that's primarily because of our cultures. Um, uh, you know, we really value children and, and we uh, consider them holy. You know, we, we really do everything we can to protect our children. And that's, I think, a good thing. But we cannot read that anachronistically back into Second Kings. You know, children were not as, as highly valued. And children were not seen as, you know, what they are today. So... Again, this text would not have been that uh, appalling to somebody reading. And it's interesting what they say to him, right? They're saying, uh, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. You know, how is that a jeer? How is that making fun of anyone? How is that insulting someone? It only makes sense when you read chapter 2 as a chiastic structure, meaning that it starts with point A, and then there's point B and point C, and then point D, usually in the middle of the passage, is like the highlight of the passage. And then you're going to work back out. Point C1 mirrors point C from earlier. Point B1 mirrors point B from earlier. And point A, which is at the end of the story, mirrors what was at the beginning of the story. Hopefully that makes sense. And if you read it like that, you see that in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, Elijah is referred to as the head of um, Elisha. 
now that Elijah is gone, it's as if uh, Elisha is without a head or is hairless. And so that's why they would be referring to Elisha as a bald head in that his head has been taken from him. He no longer has anyone to protect him. He has no authority anymore. He is useless. And saying go up is, hey, you know where Elijah just went? Why don't you go ahead and follow him? Go ahead and go up, you bald head. Go up, you one who has no protection and no authority anymore. So it actually is a pretty decent insult. It's a questioning of Elisha's authority and leadership under the Spirit. It's a question of his relationship to Yahweh. It's a question of everything. And and so it's it makes sense why he would um, be offended by this and then resort to this cursing. Uh, pretty significant that at the word of Elisha, two she-bears she come out of the woods, just like at the word of Elijah, fire comes down from heaven. At the word of the Lord in 1 Kings 14, lions come out and, and attack people. The word of the Lord is powerful in here in the mouth of Elisha. It is just as powerful as it was in the mouth of Elijah. And from here, he moves on to Samaria. So, really cool, interesting set of verses. Hopefully, this kind of opened your mind to some some things. And, and if anything, is getting you to kind of uh, situate yourself on your reading of chapter 2 and verse 23 with the boys. Are these boys? Are they men? Are they servants of this idolatrous God? Or is Elisha simply carrying out this uh, new conquest? Uh, I hope you are looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in sincere and genuine ways. Peace and love.